So we are starting a new series, if you can't tell, uh, called Philippians. It is based off of the book in the Bible called Philippians. And so during this series, I'm going to actually um, invite you guys and encourage you today. Obviously, you weren't warned, but now you are, to actually bring your Bibles to, uh, to youth. Uh, now that we have these tables and stuff, it's easy for you guys to just bring it in, set it on the table, go play games, do whatever while we're going through the night. If you don't have a Bible and, and you don't have the ability to get one, let me know because we would love to buy you one. Uh, but for those of you who already have one, please bring your Bible to youth so you can follow along. Because usually I would put the words on the screen, but I'm not going to do that overly. So either you're going to have to listen to me or you're going to have to be confused and zone out. Or uh, the, the goal is that you will bring your Bible and be able to follow along so that during small group, because now we're doing a little bit of small group during the teaching, uh, that you would be able to be like, hey, this verse is confusing. What does that mean? And then you could ask your leader or me during that time. So bring your Bibles. That's essentially that. But back to Philippians. We are going to be starting this book. Um, it's found in the New Testament. It's written by a guy named Paul and his assistant who is a teenager around the age of like 17 to 19 named Timothy. They wrote this book together um, to a church in a place called Philippi. And the reason why they, they wrote to them was because the church was facing persecution. Um, there were people coming and actually killing the people in the church. And they were throwing them in prison. In fact, Paul, as he writes this book, is writing from prison. And he's been thrown in prison because he wouldn't stop preaching that Jesus is king. That he is God and that he came to save the world and died on a cross and rose again. And the Roman Empire, who was the government at that time, didn't like what Paul was doing. And so they threw him in jail. And so he's writing this letter to the Philippians, um, trying to encourage them to not be afraid, to not be anxious about following God, but actually to be bold in their faith. And so with that kind of background, just quickly around your table, I want you guys to, to discuss this amongst yourself. I'll give you a couple minutes. But knowing that, that this series is going to be about anxiety and following Jesus and, and that Paul is writing from prison to this church, what are maybe some of the things that you're hoping to learn during this series? I can't promise you that we will, but why don't you guys discuss it amongst yourselves? What are some things that you would like to possibly learn in reading this book? So why don't you guys discuss that? Right now, okay, those are some good, some good thoughts. Luckily, we are actually going to hit some of those things. And so tonight, uh, if there's like a main point or one thing that I actually want you guys to get, it would be this: um, it's that God wants to work with you in your mess. God actually wants to come in, and, and in the mess of your life and the things going on, He actually wants to work in it. And so we're going to read uh, Philippians uh, chapter one. So if you guys have a Bible in the box, or if you have a Bible on you, I encourage you to turn. If you don't know where that is, there's this handy thing at the beginning of the Bible called the Table of Contents, like every book. You'll go to like the New Testament section, and you'll see Philippians. It goes like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, then Philippians. That's where it goes. Uh, I paid uh, $30,000 to learn that. So don't feel ashamed if you don't know the order of the Bibles. I paid a ton of money to learn. Uh, so I'll just give you like a, a couple seconds. Philippians, some of you got it. You guys got it. You guys are looking for it. You're doing it. You guys are, you guys are doing it. All right, all right. Here you go. So if you're wondering if your translation is different than mine, it might be because the Bible's not written in English. 
Shocker, it's written in Greek and Hebrew, and they have to translate it. So I'm reading from the CSB. Our Bibles will be similar if they're from the box, but if yours is a little different, it's just because they translate a little bit different. But let's read here. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it says this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge of every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God and the praise of God. And so Paul starts this letter, um, and he does a little introduction. He's like, hey guys, how's it going? I've been thinking about you. I've been praying about you. And then he dives kind of right into it. And what he wants to do is he initially says that, that he doesn't want them to lose hope that even though things seem crazy, that this Jesus movement has started and now all of these people are being imprisoned and murdered and some of the people in their own church that they know, some of them family members have been taken into streets and stoned to death, meaning that people picked up stones and threw them at them until they died. And so these people are kind of shook that 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 their family members are being taken and their friends are being taken and they're just looking for some sort of encouragement. And Paul, who is already in prison for doing this thing, for preaching about Jesus, wants to encourage them. And so he almost speaks from a place of authority because he's someone who's already been imprisoned. And what he actually tells them to do is he tells them to not forget that God is moving. To not forget that even though it seems lost and the battle seems like, um, like it's gone nuts and that they're not winning, that God is actually doing something amazing. And in fact, uh, he says this verse here. He says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so he says that they actually can have faith that even though the battle seems lost, that God is still moving and working in them and through them. And that he hasn't given up on his church or on his people. And this is an encouragement for us. Because a lot of us aren't actually being killed or thrown in prison for following Jesus. But we actually look at our own lives and it's like, God, what are you doing what is going on in my life? I have all of these things. I don't see how they connect. It doesn't feel like you've won. It feels like you've let me down. Are you actually still moving? And what Paul wants to say is that, yes, God is still building in you and through you. Um, a couple summers ago, I worked at a place called Keystone Paving, and it was a very hard job that I didn't do for very long because it sucked. Um, but essentially, my job was to take a bunch of bricks 
and lay them out on the ground to like make a nice path. So if you see a nice brick path, somebody had to make that, and I was one of those people, potentially. Um, and so I remember my first day of working this job. I showed up. I had no idea what was going on, and I walked out into this backyard of some random dude's house. I have no idea whose house it was. I walked out, and the yard was just torn up. And it was just a mess, and all the grass was ripped out, and things kind of looked a little bit nuts. And I thought to myself, what are we going to do here? Because it honestly, in the moment, looked like there was nothing that could be done. And I knew that we, our job was to lay these bricks down, but it was hard for my brain to actually see how it would connect. I knew that we were supposed to finish this job and we would see it fulfilled, but it didn't feel like in the moment that was actually a possibility. But as we worked and, and as the day went on, I began to see like this stone pathway actually take place. And as we cut different stones to fit different patterns, um, and then we laid the sand on top of the stones and, and brushed it to polish it and, and make all the cracks be filled in between them. We began to see our work actually be fulfilled. And so I want to encourage you that, that, that in your own life, it might feel like um, your backyard is kind of messed up. It might feel like you're looking at, at your life and you go, I don't get how this all fits together. I know that God is telling me that somehow this is all going to come together and it's going to be beautiful in the end, but right now I just don't see it. But I want to encourage you to keep pressing on like Paul is telling the Philippians, to keep trusting in God that the good work that he's began in you will be completed by him and through him in your own life. And so with that, I want you guys to discuss around your tables this question. Do you find it hard to trust that God is working in your life? And if you do find it hard, I want to encourage you to tell your group why, what's going on, that you're finding it hard to see this. But if you're not, if you're like, no, like I honestly really do trust God, I also want to encourage you to share that with your group and, and, and tell them why you have faith in him. And so I'll give you guys just like a couple minutes to discuss this question around your table. Let's go here. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says this. Uh, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, um, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my in my imprisonment uh, because I am in Christ. More of the brothers have gained a confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak about the word fearlessly. To be sure, um, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. And these preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only in that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, uh, and I will continue to rejoice because I know that this will lead me to my salvation through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now always with courage um, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. 
And so Paul continues this letter, um, and, and he wants to encourage them. So he said, okay, don't lose hope. God is building on you. He's still working even if you don't see it. And to show you proof that God is working, um, I just want to tell you guys what's happening in my prison cell. He's like, I've been in prison for preaching Jesus, but that hasn't stopped me. I'm still preaching Jesus even in my cell. And so when a guard walks by, I'm like, hey, man, have you heard about Jesus? He's the reason why I'm in jail. Let me tell you about him. And as Paul does that, he actually says that the guards in his cell are being converted. They are, they are hearing the good news of Jesus and actually putting their faith in Christ even though he's in prison for it. And so Paul goes that, that even though I'm in prison, I am still reaching people for Jesus. That can't stop me from actually telling others about this good news because it is so good that I want everyone to know, even the people who put me in prison. But then on top of that, Paul talks about these other dudes who are going around and they're actually using Jesus in a bad way. Um, they're actually using Jesus for their own gain and selfishness and they're hoping to make a profit off of it and they're trying to give Paul trouble to make themselves look greater than Paul and so they're putting him down like Paul doesn't know anything. We're awesome. Look at us. We actually know what Jesus is like. And Paul says that that actually doesn't bother him, strangely enough. Because he's like, even if they're preaching about Jesus out of false motives and out of lies, and even if they're doing it poorly, I'm still happy because the good news of Jesus and his kingdom is getting out there. I'm still happy because people are still hearing that Jesus is God. I'm still happy because people who are far away from God are hearing the good news that he saved them, that he loves them, and that he wants a relationship with them. And that's actually good news for us. Um, and there's this verse specifically that Paul says, What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. And this is good for us. Because for most of us, we're not in prison preaching to guards. And most of us, we're not actually preaching Christ because we want to make money. Um, most of us actually just struggle talking to our friends and family about Jesus because we don't know what to say. And a lot of times it feels really awkward and you're kind of concerned. You're like, I don't feel like I know enough to actually share Jesus. I, I don't know how they'll react if I bring it up. I don't know what to say. But what Paul is saying here is that it doesn't matter. That God will use you even if you do it in such a bad way that you're trying to make money off of it. Or if you're trying to put others down, he will still use you to preach his word. And so you can trust that even if you don't have the right words, even if you are scared and don't know how they'll react if you actually talk to them about Jesus, that God will still use you. And even if it feels confusing, he will still work through you. And even if you don't have all the answers yourself, he can still use you. And so for me, um, when I was in high school, I had a friend named Brady. And this was after I kind of recommitted my life to Jesus. I was like, yes, I want to follow Jesus with all my heart. And so I was like, okay, one of the things that people who follow Jesus are supposed to do is to tell others about Jesus. So I've got to find some people <laughs> to tell about Jesus. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so me and Brady were walking. It was lunch hour. We were going to the mall to go and get some New York fries. Uh, so healthy and such a good decision, uh, but that's a side note. Um, so we're going to New York Fries, and we're walking, and I can just feel it within me. Like sometimes you just get this feeling in you that's from the Spirit. It's like this little small voice. It's like, hey, do this thing. Uh, and so I started to hear that voice, and it was like, hey, now's the time. 
tell Brady about me. Tell Brady about Jesus. Now's the time to just like bring it up and talk to him. And so I was like, all right, well, I don't really want to do that because I don't know how he'll react. We've never talked about Jesus. He knows that I'm a Christian, but that's like as far as the conversation has gone, I don't know how he's going to react or what's going to happen or I don't feel ready for this. I don't feel prepared. I don't feel like I have it together, but I couldn't shake the voice. So I did the hard thing and really awkwardly, like I was just, we're just walking, we're talking about who knows what and all the time. I was just like, so... What do you think about, like, God and Jesus and stuff? Like, what are your thoughts? Very smoothly segueing into a conversation about God. But actually, I realized that I didn't need to be scared. Um, Brady actually was like, you know what? Here's what I think about God. He's like, I don't really know. I believe there's a God, but I don't really know if it's Jesus. I just kind of believe he's out there. I don't really want to commit my life to anything. That's kind of where I'm at. And so in that moment, then he turned it on me and said, what do you think? And so I actually got to share what I thought and, and in a really poor way that was not like elegant or beautiful. I did my best to kind of fumble through what I think about Jesus. Um, and I was able to share that with him. Now, in that, there was no crazy conversion. The heavens didn't open and all of a sudden Brady saw the light and he fell to his knees and was like, oh my goodness, I'm giving my life to Jesus right now. It's so true. Um, but instead, I know that a seed was planted, meaning that Brady heard the good news through me, and even if nothing came of it, what I knew is that God was doing something in Brady's life that was bigger than me, and that even my small attempt that, that, that was scared and seemed so, um, so not great or wonderful, I knew that it was being used by God even in even in my brokenness, even in my mess of not knowing how to do this well. And I actually could put my trust in Jesus that, that he was actually going to use me to speak to him. And so with that, I, I want you guys to discuss this around your tables. Um, I want you to answer this question of, do you find it difficult to tell others about Jesus? Why or why not? Do you find it really easy to talk to your friends and family about Jesus? Or do you find it really hard like I did and you get nervous and sweaty and scared and your heart rate goes up and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. And then you just choose not to? Or do you find it really easy? Why or why not? I'll give you guys a few minutes to talk about that. With that, uh, what are we at? We got this much time? Okay. There was another question. I'm skipping it because we got to move a little bit quicker. Uh, let's read the last little bit of chapter one. Uh, back to Philippians 1, if you want to open up your Bible or find it. We're at verse 21. We're almost done this chapter. Look at that. We've almost read a whole chapter of the Bible today. Some of you haven't read a whole chapter of the Bible in a couple months, so you should feel good about yourself. You've read a whole one today. It's like, whoo, I did a good job. Uh, let's do it. Um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 says this. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Jesus, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is much more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I'll remain here and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you in absent, 
um, I will hear about you, um, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. And this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have again. And so Paul kind of concludes this chapter of Philippians by saying a bunch of things. Um, but the biggest thing he says is that he wants the Philippians to live a life worthy of, of the calling of Jesus. Meaning that, that what we just talked about, that he wants the Philippians to actually live a life where people can see that they're different. That they don't act the same as everybody else. That they don't make the same jokes. That they don't treat others the same way that others do. There's this difference about them that is easy to tell. Um, and they do it not just to do it because, but actually because it's, it's worthy uh, of the calling that we've had from Jesus. But the problem in living this way is that it's not always cool. It's not always what the crowd is doing. In fact, it's often going against the grain of where all of your friends are going. And sometimes it puts you in awkward spots. Sometimes you're invited to go to this party and you know there's going to be drinking and, 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 and stuff like that. And, and you feel this pressure to like just do it because the crowd's doing it. But you know that Jesus is calling you to something else. And so you have to pick between the two. And it's not always an easy decision because if you say no, you know they're going to ask why and then you're going to bring up Jesus and then things could get awkward. Or maybe it, even in your life you hear people gossiping and you have someone come to you and is bashing one of your friends and the rest of your friends will kind of gather around and bash this girl together. Um, and you sit there and you have the, this decision of whether or not you choose to participate in the gossip or whether or not you choose to say no I'm not taking part in this. I don't think we should talk about her this way. And then you get that weird conversation of like, what? Why are you not doing what we're doing? Aren't you fine with this? And you have to face that awkward stance. Or maybe on your hockey team, the dudes are doing this one thing. Or maybe someone cross-checks you in the neck. And you're like, you know what I want to do? I want to get up and cross-check you back in the face because you cross-checked me. In the neck, and you have to fight this thing within yourself of like, do I do what Jesus wants, which is to make peace, or do I get revenge and cross check this dude in the neck? There are constantly these fights between us, between living a life worthy of our calling and living a life like everybody else. And what Paul says is that in those moments, we can actually have this fear of like, um, what are they going to think of me? How are they going to treat me? What is going to happen? And for Paul, it was real. Like his decisions made him get thrown in prison or potentially could end his life. For us, for most of us, that's not going to be the case. You're not going to go to the jail for following Jesus and you're not going to be killed for following Jesus. But sometimes the, 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 ridicule, the ridicule you can face from your friends or, or people in your school or your family can feel a lot like prison or death itself. And so it's scary. But what Paul says for encouragement in that is this. He says that for me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. And what this verse means is that for Paul, um, it meant that to live meant that 
He wanted to live for Jesus. He wanted to live for Christ, which is a fancy word for Messiah. He wanted to live for Jesus. And this whole point of his life, this whole reason for existence was actually to follow God. And the reason for that is because Jesus actually promises that if we follow him and do the hard things that we don't want to do and turn away from culture and actually follow him, that he will actually reward us. That in heaven, these sacrifices you make won't just be for granted. That Jesus will actually reward you. And, and Jesus says that he will give you eternal rewards. And, and he tells us, don't build up with like rep and popularity here. Instead, build up your rep and, and your rewards in the kingdom that lasts forever. But then also with that, Paul knew that, that the worst thing they could do to him was kill him and end his life. And for most of us, that will never be uh, what we face. Instead, it would be more like uh, to live as Christ and, and, and to be made fun of is gain, or, or to be bashed is gain, or to be kicked out of our social group is gain, or to be yelled at by our parents who don't want us to follow Jesus is gain. Why? Because we know that, that when we face these trials that Jesus faced the same thing we did, and that in that he can relate to how we're feeling, but that he also rewards us. And we know that at the end of our life, we won't stand before that guy in school. We won't stand before our coach. We won't stand before our parents. We'll stand before Jesus. And he'll look at us and go, what did you do with your life? Did you follow me? Did you do what you knew that I wanted you to do? Or did you turn and follow the crowd and just kind of go with the flow and not really think about how you lived your day to day? Because at the end of the day, the person you're gonna stand before is not the people who make fun of you, the people who want to kill you, um, or those people you look up to. It'll actually be Jesus. And I want to give you guys some time to, to pray in your small groups, so I'm going to skip over these last couple questions, and if you have more, you can discuss it with your group. But I, I want us to remember this, that God actually wants to work with you in your mess. And what this means is, is that in your chaos life where maybe you just feel like your life is a mess and you don't get what God is doing and it's kind of confusing and you're like, God, why is this going on? That God actually wants to work with you in that. And he wants to encourage you that, that even if you don't see it, that you can trust that he is actually building something that you can't see. And it won't be until the end of your life that you might actually see what it is but he wants you to know that he has your back and you can trust him and that he's for you and not against you. But then also in this, he wants you to know that in this mess of evangelism, which is a fancy Christian word for telling people about Jesus, in this mess where you're like, I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. It feels so awkward. I don't know if I'm good at it. I don't know how to do it. That he's still with you and working through you in that. That even if you're not good at it and, and you're scared and you don't know what to do, that God actually wants to still use you in your brokenness and, and messed upness. And if you're not good with, with words, he still wants to work through you in that way, and he can. But then also, lastly, in your fear. That God wants to work with you in your anxiety and your fear where, where you're worried to be different or what it means to follow Jesus. And he wants to encourage you that he will do it with you. You do not need to do this Christian life alone. It's why our mission statement is to help each other trust and follow Jesus because we need each other. But we also need God and he's actually present with us in that. And that's so no matter what you're facing, you know that if you follow Jesus that he is with you and that you can trust him. Because the God who wants to work with you in your mess is working. And so that's the first chapter of Philippians. Congratulations. Uh, you guys did it 
all the way through. I'm going to pray. You guys have like five minutes to go to your small group rooms and pray for each other or go and hang out. It's not a ton of time. We went a little late, so I apologize for that. Um, but I think you guys had some good conversations, which makes me encouraged. But so that you guys can have time to go and pray, um, I'm going to pray now, and you guys can go to your small group rooms for the last little bit of the night. So let's pray together. Uh, God, we thank you that you are a God who is with us in the mess. That when we look at our life and we don't know what's going on, that we can trust that you're still there. God, I pray that you would use us to advance your kingdom, to actually be the people you've called us to be and to show others your love. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to actually talk to our friends and family about you, um, that you would help us to do the hard thing and have the courage to actually bring you up in conversation, to not be afraid um, to ask our friends what they think about you, and not to bring it with judgment or anger, but to just honestly to get a feel of where they're at and, and see if there's an opportunity to talk to you about them. Uh, and God, I also pray for us that in our day-to-day and trying to follow you, it's not always easy. And it's not always, um, it's not always what the crowd wants us to do. And often we can feel this pull to do what everyone else is doing. But God, I pray that you would help us to do the hard thing but the right thing, and actually follow you and what you've commanded. And God, I pray that you would help us um, to re- remind ourselves that, that at the end of the day, we're not going to stand before these other people who might ridicule us for following you, but we're going to stand before you. And if we continue to follow you, when it comes to that moment, we'll hear well done, and we'll get a hug, and, and, and we know that it'll all be worth it. God, I pray that you would help us to remember that and do those things. And I thank you for tonight and all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.